Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, Hokie Nation, and welcome into this edition of TSL Today. We record on Monday, April 3rd, 2023, from the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center in Blacksburg, Virginia. Man, do we have a great show planned for you today. David Cunningham, our managing editor, is going to hop on in just a second and talk both Tech men's and women's hoops, and then Chris Hirons joins in the second segment to talk Tech baseball. All that and much more coming up on this edition of TSL Today, and it starts right now. We welcome you back to this edition of TSL Today. This edition of TSL Today, as always, sponsored by Triumph NIL. Triumph NIL, recruit, retain, reward. We appreciate Triumph NIL's support of both TSL and TSL Today. David Cunningham, our managing editor, joins us across the way. Giovanni Heater is behind the scenes. David, first off, how are you? Welcome back to Blacksburg. How was your trip out to Seattle and Dallas? It was good. Uh, God, long. I got back yesterday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, long, long travels. I was gone for 10 days. Um, which I mean, of course is, I think the women's basketball team was probably gone for about the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, it was good. Seattle was great. Uh, I think the, the second leg was the one that really kicked me. Um, the Dallas leg, um, cause Seattle was fine. It was the coming back. Um, I flew in and out of Dulles. My grandma lives about 10 minutes away from there. Um, out of DC mm -hmm. and, uh, I didn't fly direct to Dallas um, because I don't, I just it was too complicated to cancel and then get a new flight and I have, I have to buy an extra flight. Um, so I just went I went back to Dulles, stayed the night at my grandma's house on Tuesday night, and then went back to Dallas on or went to Dallas on Wednesday and was in Dallas from Wednesday to, to Sunday. Um, but it was good, man. I mean, lots of really good basketball. I mean, I got to see him win in the Sweet 16, win yeah. in the Elite Eight. Go to the Final Four. Co covered <laughs> covered Virginia Tech in the Final Four. And um, just such an amazing team, such an amazing season. Um, the accomplishments, um, you know, just that they, they didn't just win. They didn't just – you know, I think, like, people, people look back and go, man, they made the Final Four. But, like – they played well in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight to get there. Mm -hmm. Like, and it was, you know, and they also played well in the Blacksburg Regional, which feels like it was a, two months ago. Yeah, at this really point. Um, but but this was a really fun team to cover, and th the travels were fun. Um, Sunday was more of a, or I guess Saturday was more of a, a relaxing day after Tech lost on Friday. Um, Andy Bitter was down there with me, and um, he and I went to the Texas Rangers game on Saturday. So that was nice. And we met up with a couple other tech people and, um, went and got some good barbecue and went to a couple breweries. So, I mean, it was a good trip overall. It was honestly, I'm just so honored that I was able to, to cover them. Um, they played so well for so long. Um, I mean, 31 and five, like that's, yeah. that's historic. And, 
um, to get to a Final Four, to be 10 minutes away from a national championship game. Um, really, really cool. And and they're all such great people, um, great people to be around. Doesn't feel like you're ever trying to pull teeth yeah. when, you, when you're talking to them. Um, so it was it was a really good time, and I'm glad I could go. And um, you know, Seattle was a blast. Um, and then you know Dallas was a little bit disappointing, but um, still really really cool just to be at the Final Four. Congrats on your first ever ACC Network appearance too, by the Thanks. way. Thanks. Oh yeah, that was that was cool too. That was uh, God. I did that. I did that in American Airlines Center um, in Dallas um, in the media workroom, and uh, it was it was good. Uh, I, that was, and, and see, that was one of the other things, like, it was just so crazy. There was so much going on, you know, I did that. And then an hour or two later, covered a final four game and tech loses. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, the season's over. So, um, yeah, a lot going on. That was pretty, that was pretty neat. Um, I appreciate them having me on there. Um, that was with Mark Packer and Taylor mm-hmm. Tannenbaum, and I thought it was pretty good. So you know, I, I turned on ACCPM before the game, and there's David Cunningham. <laughs> yeah. I was with Gio and a couple more, Jack, Riz and I, Nick Brown. We were all, oh, my gosh. There's David Cunningham. So yeah. that was cool. It was cool. So, yeah, and then the whole, I mean, the whole experience of being at a Final Four is cool. Um, you know, some of the other people, some of the other media that was there, they sat up higher. Um, but you were courtside, though, right? I got to sit right behind the team bench. That was really cool. Um I tell you what, the man, the fan support too. Like, like the fans came out in droves for this team, as they should. Um, uh, it was it was great to see the fan support, not just in Seattle, but also in Dallas. And um, you know, I, and I wasn't here on Saturday night when they got back, but it looked like a phenomenal crowd yeah. that welcomed them back. So, I mean, look, th- this team is one of the best ever in Virginia Tech athletics history, and the fans should support them as such. And I think they did. G and I actually went to the welcome back on Saturday. Yeah, how night. was that? A lot of people there. And and it speaks volumes too because they had to stand outside. We were lucky we were at baseball and walked over, but so many people had to stand outside for hours upon hours yeah, because, because they, they were, were supposed because of the because right. of the wind and weather and everything. Yeah, they were supposed to get in supposed to go to Roanoke, had to go to Raleigh to refuel, tried Roanoke like two or three more times until they finally got yeah, it. So yeah. Yeah. But it was cool. Really good turnout and they definitely deserve it. Yeah. Well, I don't want to go too much into women's basketball. I, I just want to tease it a little bit because the podcast is going to cover it all much more tomorrow. But how will you remember this tech women's basketball team in 2022, 23? Um, I think just how, I mean, and this is what Kenny Brooks would probably say too, but just how great people they are, right? They're, they're awesome people. Um, they're fun people to cover. The parents are fun. Everybody that, like, like everybody that supports the team, right? Like, and you and you can probably watch when when you're watching on TV, you probably see it a little bit. You know, the parents, right? Liz Kitley's parents, Kayla King's parents, George Amor's parents, who you know, of course, flew from Australia for for the Final Four. They're all great people. Um, everybody on staff is a great person. It, it's it's awesome people to be around. And mm-hmm. as somebody who's been around them since October which is kind of crazy to think about. I've been around that team since October, since ACC media days. And the beginning of April is when their season comes to an end or the last day of March. Like that's a long ride. And I, and the fact that nobody ever really gets tired of anybody, you know, like, like everybody's, it's such a tight knit group and they're, they're so constant, so consistent. I think it's pretty awesome. Um, Obviously, they did some really historic things, won some really big basketball games. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see how in the next coming in the next couple of years how my perspective changes um because maybe there's a team that goes to the final four again but this will always be the first team that did it this mm-hmm. this will be the team that won the first ever ACC championship and continued to defy expectations and they you know nobody they, they were a one seed and people didn't think they could get out of their own regional and they won it and they beat Tennessee and Ohio State along the way, and they played well for the most part in a Final Four game. And um, they won the ACC. Elizabeth Kelly, two-time player, the ACC Player of the Year. Like they continue to make history. And um, but I'm t- I think the more important thing is they're all great people to be around. They're all great people to cover. They have great stories. And um, I never really get tired of covering them. It's always there's always something new to talk about. There's always a really fun story. Um, they're good people and they accomplished something historic. And I think it's one of the greatest seasons in Virginia tech athletics history. Is it fair to say everybody knew they were going to be good, but is it fair to say they even exceeded your expectations? Oh yeah. This I think, I think a lot of people looked at it and I, no, and I will say this. Um, Ashley Wusu came in, was an all American and we don't, Obviously, there's there's drama. You can go find that drama <laughs> on social media, um, but but Ashley Wusu got hurt on December first, yeah, Nebraska, and then never really played again. And Virginia Tech went to a Final Four without a former All American. Like like to do it with this short of a bench, with the personnel. I'm not surprised. But if you had told me about it at the beginning of the year, I probably would have been like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm like. Um, you know, they only have two full-time assistant coaches. They did it with two full-time assistant coaches in a six, seven man rotation. They yeah. made it to the final four. I know that speaks volumes. And I think, yes, in a lot of ways they did defy my expectations. Um, you know, Mark Packer asked me on the AC network the other day, was there a point where you knew this Virginia tech team was going to do something historic and I, or had the potential to, and I said, yeah, when they won on the road at NC state. You were there with me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had never won in in that arena before, in Reynolds Coliseum. Never won. They come in and absolutely throttle NC State, and then they've got they've got Florida State in that in that stretch. Florida State, Duke, North Carolina. They throttle them all. They beat Miami and Duke and Louisville in the AC Championship. It was dominant, and I, I was always surprised by how dominant it was. But looking back on it, that's just who they were, and. You know, I think from the beginning of the year, yeah, I'm surprised that they went out and did it because I don't think a lot of people ever thought it would be done. Like, I think a lot of people were just like, yeah, they're going to be good. Yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll win a game in the in the NCAA tournament. They, they might get to the AC tournament. They might get to the ACC tournament final. They might be like a two three C. They might win a game or two. They might get get to getting to the Sweet Sixteen was the goal. Mm-hmm. They got to the final four. Like they won in the Sweet 16 and won in the Elite Eight. And like, like they were the third ever team in school history across any sport to reach a national semifinal, NCAA tournament semifinal. The other two were men's and women's soccer back in 2007 and 2000 or 2013. Yeah. Uh, men's and women's. Like, like they, they, you know, broke down all these records created new ones. And, you know, now Elizabeth Kitley, I mean, all-time scoring leader, all-time double-doubles leader. I mean, um, 
they they completely defied expectations all over the place. Well, Liz Gitley made it official yesterday. Hot off the press, Kayla King made it official today. They're coming back for a fifth year and using their COVID year of eligibility. How much does a move like this put Virginia Tech and keep Virginia Tech in the conver- in the conversation to repeat as ACC champions and potentially get back to the Final Four next season? Well, I'll put it this way. Um, if it was just Georgia Amor that was returning... That, that's, I mean, Georgia's a great piece to build around, but you're replacing a lot. Mm-hmm. And Tech would have had essentially seven scholarships to replace, to, to fill out, a, a, to, you know, to pick out people from the transfer portal to fill a rotation around Georgia. Obviously, they, they're going to develop some kids. But, um, but I think Virginia Tech's trip to the Final Four was one thing. It put the Hokies on... On the map, as Kayla King told me after the game, we're on the map. Kenny uh, Kenny Brooks said, we're a destination now. When you bring back Elizabeth Kitley and Kayla King, that's two All-Americans on your roster. Kayla King's an All-ACC caliber talent, so you got three All-Conference players, two All-Americans. Virginia Tech is going to be at the top of everybody's ACC picks next year and in the national conversation. I'm not sure Tech's going to be a top 10 team to start off the year, but it'll depend on how they fill in, how the Hokies fill in everybody around them. But you've got three players from a Final Four team coming back. Um, and like, like it's, it's hard to fathom, um, but Tech is in a great position. And again, I don't think if it was just Georgia returning, I don't know if it would be that... Uh, they'd, they'd it obviously be a little bit more difficult, um, but I think Tech would be able be fine, be able to do it. But I wouldn't expect Tech to go in the ACC or to or to to have national aspirations, maybe to reach the Sweet Sixteen. Now I don't know what the what the the goals are after reaching the Final Four. Like how do you follow that up? Right. Um, but the fact that Elizabeth Kitley and Kayla King are back with George A. Moore. You know, Tech's got – it's a very young Tech team outside of that, right? Um, Hokies had three freshmen this year. They've got four top 100 kids coming in next year. Four top 100 kids, right? I don't know who all – you know, how many of them will actually contribute right away. But that's seven of your of your 15 scholarships are freshmen or redshirt freshmen or sophomores. Then you've got Kayla King. Georgia Amore and Elizabeth Kitley, who are either seniors or fifth-year players. Um, Tech's got five scholarships now to to round out the bunch. That's really, really good. Um, I think the Hokies are in great position to, you know, and, and, and people will be like, well, now it's Kenny Brooks's time. you got to figure out the transfer portal. The problem in Kenny Brooks's first six years was not that he couldn't recruit. The problem was that the Hokies just struggled to put everything together sometimes on the floor. He got Elizabeth Kitley and Kayla King and Georgia Amore to come to Blacksburg, right? He got Taylor Swinkey on a trailer to come to Blacksburg in the transfer portal. He picked up DeAsia Gregg, Taylor Emery. I mean, the list goes on and on. Asia Shepard. Kenny's always been, and the staff's always been good recruiting-wise. So the recruiting has never been the issue. The problem was how far can you get? And and the Hokies are in the final. You know they made the final four now. When Virginia Tech's going to go out in the portal, and Virginia Tech's going to say, "Hey, who wants to come play with us and try to go to a final four again?" 
Right. And people aren't going to look at it and go, well, I don't know if you guys can make it there. They're going to look at it and go, wow, you guys have been there. Mm -hmm. Okay. You guys are like kind of legit now. Right. Right. Like, like there is some legitimacy to Virginia Tech women's basketball now in terms of the national landscape and on the, you know, Virginia Tech reached the final four. Right. If you, if I'm a transfer, I'm sitting there going, dang, I could play with Elizabeth Kitley and Georgia Amor and Kayla King and potentially go win an ACC championship and go to the final four again. Like everybody, you know, that's the thing, man. Virginia Tech had over 3 million people watch them in the elite eight. Right. Like, like eyeballs have been on the Hokies. That is great in terms of your national, like national perspective of you, but also in terms of recruiting, right? Kenny Brooks has always been a really good recruiter. Tech stop, tech stock just went up. And I, I think obviously it's not going to be easy to replace Taylor soul and DeAsia Gregg and can trailer, but that's better than re- trying to replace Elizabeth Kelly and Kayla King as well. You only have to replace three players and tech's obviously going to develop some young players, but now it's, you got five, you've, you've essentially got five scholarships to round out your lineup in the transfer portal with, right? How do you do it? And if you do it the right way, you're, we're sitting here talking about Virginia tech come October, the Hokies are the favorite to win the ACC and to make another final four run. And, and that's just the way it is. And I, I think, you know, from everything Kenny Brooks has done in the past, the past would say that Kenny Brooks knows what he's doing on the recruiting trail and he's going to get the right talent in. So um, I, I don't think there's anything to fret about. I think like the Hokies are in a really, really good position, a position they've never been in before, which is which is weird, but also very unique. Playing with Liz Kitley, Georgia Amor, Kayla King, certainly quite the selling point in the portal. All right, let's flip to the men's side of things. They have addressed some needs in the portal. Mike Young has been quite the busy man, adding Makai Long from Old Dominion and Tyler Nickel from North Carolina. What catches your eye about adding that pair? Well, so we still don't know if Grant Bazillion and Hunter Couture are coming back. True. Um, they, I would expect them to announce something sometime in the near future. Um, but right now, Tech is sitting basically on the edge in terms of scholarships. Um, I believe Tech, Tech's got 11 or 12 scholarship players right now with the addition of Nickel. Um, I don't know. It's at the bottom of my Nickel article if you want to go take a look, I I'll think. I'll pull it up. Um, but... Tyler Nickel, so Tyler Nickel, we'll talk about him for a sec first. He's from Harrisonburg, played at uh, East Rockingham High School in Elkton, um, Virginia, up off 81. Um, his parents played bat, you know, played college basketball. Um, he's a VHSL's all-time leading scorer. Came down to Tech North Carolina in the first place. He went to North Carolina. Now he's transferring to Virginia Tech. Um, he's kind of long and lengthy. He's kind of like, in, in my mind, maybe a little bit more of an advanced or highly more of a highly touted recruited John Camden, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Long and lanky. Can he? Can he? He more probably more of a three or a four, probably a three. Um, but then Makai Long, a little bit more built, and he's a way better rebounder. Um, now keep in mind that Nichols, you know, he was only a freshman this year. Right. Long has one year of eligibility left. Was at Rhode Island. Was at Old Dominion for a couple of years. He had. He, he was a pretty good double-double machine for a while there. Um, he had a double-double against Tech earlier in the year. Um, these are two solid additions. Um, I'm curious to see how Tech, what other moves Mike Young makes. Because right now, 
the starting five is pretty solid, right? You've got Sean Padula, Hunter Couture comes back, it's Hunter Couture. If not, it's you got Rodney Rice, MJ Collins, um, Tyler Nickel, Makai Long, Grant Bazzilli, if he's in the conversation. Um, I, I think the question is, if Grant Bazzilli and Hunter Couture don't come back, that's a that's some depth that you're missing. Now the Hokies would obviously have room to go pick some other guys up in the portal. Um, but I, I think Makai Long is a pretty solid addition, especially on the glass. He rebounds very, very well. He gets the free throw line. Um, he's going to be a solid asset. He can handle the ball all right. Um, he's pretty shifty. Um I, I think he's a good addition. I'm curious to see how Nickel fits in. I think Nickel will be good too, um, but I think he slides more into like, kind of like the backcourt and the wings spot. Um, and Tech's got plenty of, of depth there. Obviously, Darius Maddox and um, Darren Buchanan enter the transfer portal, so there are two scholarships to make up there. Um, but I think the Hokies are going to be okay. I think the big question comes down to you know developing the current players, um, but I think I think Long and Nickel are are good additions. If Grant Bazzilli and Hunter Couture come back, you're looking at a pretty solid rotation, right? You're looking at Rodney Rice, Sean Padula, Hunter Couture, probably Makai Long and Grant Bazzilli, unless you pick up a, a another guy to complement Bazzilli in the front court. Um, Tyler Nickel and MJ Collins coming off the bench. That's a pretty good rotation. Lynn Kidd, Melijo Potique, that's all right. If they continue to develop, that'll be even better. If Grant Bazillion Hunter Couture are staying, that's a good rotation. The question is whether or not they're going to stay, and we won't know that for probably a little while. Grant Bazilli and Hunter Couture, if they both stick around, I pulled up your article. That's 11 scholarships used. They have two available. Obviously, that will ebb and flow depending on those two, yeah, uh, their so decisions. If, so if they both stay, then Tech has no scholarships. Right. Um, but again, that's not like a bad position to be in, right? I, I think there were a lot of good pieces to this year's team. I think one of the big problems was team defense. I think Makai Long's a pretty solid defender. I think Nickel can be. Um so I think those defensive pieces are good. You figure that Mike Young will get the guys to play pretty good offense. That's just kind of what he's used to. But I think, honestly, developing some of the young guys is is another big thing. Like, if, if Tech can develop John Camden to the point where John Camden can be a, a comfortable option, I think that's good. Um, I think MJ Collins and Rodney Rice learned a lot. Um, but you always hear coaches talk about how between the freshman and sophomore year is where you make the most growth, right? You're used to being in college. You will, you have one year in terms of getting your body to where it should be in college. Your second, you know, in between your freshman and sophomore year, your first and second year, you basically know what you want. You know where you're supposed to be. I'm curious to see how many of those guys, Rodney Rice, MJ Collins, even John Camden, who, like, this is technically his third season coming up, but he redshirted because of an injury. So I'm curious to see how it all shakes out, but I do think Long and and Nickel are pretty solid additions for now. I pulled up some numbers. Long averaged 10.7 points per game, 8.7 boards a season ago for the Monarchs. Also led the Sun Belt in double-doubles. Nickel 2.1 points per game in six minutes played a game for the Tar Heels this past season. He also scored eight points in 25 minutes when Tech took down Carolina in Castle Coliseum back in December. Long scored 10 points and secured 11 rebounds in ODU's loss to Virginia Tech in Charleston back in November. 
and you mentioned it, Nickel was between Virginia Tech and North Carolina out of high school in the Harrisonburg area. He finally lands up in Blacksburg. Last question for you. Is Mike Young done? What? Done? Meaning? In the portal. Oh. Uh, Sorry. You should have <laughs> is specified. He, is yeah. he, is uh, he done in the portal? Um, I think it all, it all depends on whether Brazilian Couture come back. Because if they if they come back, then maybe. I, I, I would lean towards yes. If Bazilian Couture don't come back, then no. They've, he's got to get more. He's got to get enough, get some more guys. Um, but but again, I, I think it's kind of the same situation for Mike Young and Kenny Brooks. They both succeeded in the portal for the most part. Um, Kenny more than Mike, um, but Kenny also has a Final Four appearance to show for it, right? Um, I think Grant Bazilian and Kevin Luma were and Storm Murphy were all really good players for Mike Young. I think one of the problems is. The the, the incons I mean it, it's so inconsistent and Kenny Brooks has found a way to keep his core group together for so long. If if you can keep Hunter Couture and Sean Padula and Grant Bazzilli together for another year, that's really good. Add a healthy Rodney Rice to the mix. I, I think that's really good. If Couture and Bazzilli leave, then you're looking at the same thing again you did last year, which is everybody has to figure out how to play together again. And Maybe Lynn Kidd starts at the five. I don't know. It's a little bit complicated. So that situation's more, more complicated than, you know, and it really just comes down to Couture and Bazilli. Um, but, you know, it's more clear cut on the women's side, right? You've got five scholarships to pick up as many players as you want. You know, that fill those scholarships. Basically address your needs. Um, you know, with, with the men's team, it's a little bit different because it, it hedge, hinges on whether Bazilli and Couture come back. And, um, I think they probably should. Um, I think they could probably make both good NIL money. Um, but whether or not they're done with college basketball, we'll see. David Cunningham, our managing editor, thanks for hopping on. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yep, appreciate it, as always. All right, that'll do it for our first segment of TSL today. When we come back, Chris Hirons hops on to talk Virginia Tech baseball's series win over Virginia. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Hokie Nation, to this edition of TSL Today. The first segment, we talked both men's and women's hoops, and now it's time to talk Virginia Tech baseball. So for that, we brought on our Hokie ball guru, Mr. Chris Hirons. Chris, thanks for hopping on. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. So I want to focus on this past weekend. It was a tough start for Virginia Tech in conference play, 2-8 and eight in ACC play. So how important was it for the Hokies to secure the weekend series over Virginia and win the final two games? I mean, I think it was extremely important. I mean, if they don't win, you know, Saturday and Sunday, they're looking at a 2-10 and 10 record in conference play. And, you know, you get in the, the part where maybe they're not included in the conversation, maybe they're not included in the ACC Baseball Championship. So I think, I think it was important there. And, you know, the last two games maybe kind of turned their season around because – they are better than the record. I know at some point, yes, you do become your record, but they've lost a ton of close games lately. Um, they're better than their record, all that. The Cavaliers came into the weekend number five overall, number five in the AP poll, or D1 baseball, D1 baseball. I want to say. They were 23-2, and two, is that correct? Yeah, 23-2. Best and two. start in program history, which is crazy for them considering their long-winded history. I don't know if it's the best start in, I can't say... Um, I think I think I may have heard Jake or Evan say that on the radio. I don't know. I, can't, I, I don't know that answer. <laughs> Maybe it is, you know... 
two losses in your first 25 games, yeah, probably it's your best start in program history. But, yeah, I mean, Tech doubled up their losses this weekend. I mean, it was – and they did in convincing fashion, too. Like, it wasn't like, you know, Tech kind of squeaked by or, you know, they got lucky here and there. But, I mean, the offense was rolling. The pitching, for the most part, was pretty good on um, from the last four or five innings on Friday all the way through the weekend. And it was the first time that Tech has taken back-to-back series from UVA since 99-2000. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, so I want to say it goes back to the 80s for a weekend series. Okay. Maybe like eighty five because they weren't in the ACC then. So yeah, that would yeah. Make sense. And yeah. then and then in ninety nine two thousand they played a like they played two midweek series or something like that. Well, the Hokies dropped the opener nine to five on Friday evening, then bounced back and took the following two 12 to ten in a slugfest on Saturday and secured a twelve to seven victory on Sunday. Offensively, the, uh, the Hokies were dynamite down the stretch, particularly on Saturday and Sunday. Jack Curley, a combined 7 of 10 from the dish, going yard three times and recording eight RBIs. How key was he to Virginia Tech's offense? I mean, he he was kind of their catalyst to, you know, starting. I talked to him on Saturday, and he said, yeah, you know, they they went, they lost 9 to nothing, or 9 to 5 on Friday, but they kind of won the back half of the Friday game, and so I think that's kind of what led their confidence over to Saturday and Sunday, um, especially in the Sunday game where Hurley, Hurley went yard twice. Uh, he hit seven homers in the last seven games. Um, his first homer that gave Tech, I think it was a seven to six lead. Lead. It reminded me of last year's Sunday game um, where Tech, you know, the series was tied at one one, and Tech had come down from a four nothing deficit. Yesterday they had come back from a three nothing deficit, then a four or 5-4 to four deficit, then a 6-5 to five deficit, I think it was. Um, and last year, so Gavin Cross, anyway, uh, hits the go-ahead homer um, in a 4-4 four to four game, and Hurley kind of did the same thing yesterday, except he put the Hokies on top with a two-run homer um, in that game. Yeah, I remember that. That was a big series in Charlottesville last year. First time the Hokies won a series against UVA and Blacksburg since 2015, too. That was a sweep for the Hokies then, so I thought that was pretty interesting to think about. Looking at the box score here, Garrett Michelle also went deep on Saturday. Tex Bolpen, they did play around a little bit on Saturday, but Jonah Herney was able to lock it down. Then on Sunday, both Brody Donay and Chris Canizaro also left the yard. I know Canizaro, the Bucknell transfer, had been dealing with a little bit of a hand issue. Is that correct? A hand issue? Yeah, a bone bruise on his right a hand. A bone it was, bruise? It was taped up yesterday still. So how big was it to get him back into the lineup after his fantastic start to 2023 yeah I mean he was hitting 500 going into ACC play I'm not sure when the injury was sustained you know that hasn't kind of been revealed by uh, either Canizero or uh, coach John Chef but I think it was important you know he was kind of getting going during the pit series uh, he hit a home run on the during the Saturday game and then you know he was kind of in and out of the lineup um, I don't think he played at VMI he pinch hit on Friday night I think maybe it was Saturday mm-hmm. but um, against UVA but he, uh, he texted Kurt Elbin uh, on Saturday night and said, you know, I'm going to play tomorrow. You know, I think it's important that my bat's in the lineup. I think it's important that, you know, we try to take this series. So it's it's good to get him going. You know, he's kind of got to be the X factor. I know it, coming into the year, people are like, you know, you got to replace Gavin Cross in some way. And no, K- Chris Canizero was never going to be da- Gavin Cross. But, you know, no. you got to you got to replace that production some way. And that's exactly what Chris has done. At some point, though, you got to cool down from hitting around 500, <laughs> though. So eventually it was going to happen. John Shep, I noticed, and, and you were very apparent about it on Twitter, 
mixed up the starting nine quite a bit this week, and I guess you're trying to shake things up. You're looking for a spark. Is it fair to say he's kind of found his nine or ten guys to roll with the rest of the way? I think so. I think if he had his option, he would play you know, 11, 12 guys because you have Eddie Isert, who wasn't in the lineup on Saturday mm-hmm. or on Sunday, who was in the lineup on Friday and Saturday, and then you have Gary Giebel, whose bat has been coming around. Um, he's a very solid defensive catcher, but... I think, you know, when they put Carson Jones at the top of the lineup, he had a slow start to the season, but, you know, in his last seven, eight games, or maybe even since the Boston College series, um, you know, his bet has come around. He's hitting the high 350s since maybe his last, like, 10, 12 games, something like that. You know, I think think it was important that they found their, you know, 9 or 10 or 11 guys that they want to roll out because especially as you get down the stretch and, in the you know the midseason of the ACC, you know you want to have that that starting lineup every day that knows how to play play. You know what production you're getting for everyone. And is it fair to say you're just now looking? Virginia Tech is just now looking for more consistency now with the pitching staff, particularly the starting rotation. Is that something fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Um, they they had been getting better starts from Griffin Green, who was roughed up in the first few weeks of the season. Um, I know he gave up six runs against UVA, but his, his two or three starts prior to that, you know, he had given up two runs and I think five innings in um, each of those two or three starts uh, going back to either the Boston College or the Miami series. Drew Hackenberg, I know, was hit around a little bit, but, you know, his, his arm will end up coming around. There's a reason mm-hmm. he's an LB draft prospect for a reason. Yeah. And then Anthony Darguez, you know, he, he'll give you um, – most times three, four, five innings of, you know, one or two run ball. You mentioned it earlier on. This could potentially kickstart the Hokies this season, according to you. When you look at the grand scheme of things, where does Virginia Tech stand in the NCAA tournament picture? And how important are the next two weekend series with Duke down in Durham this weekend and then Georgia Tech and Blacksburg here in two weeks? So I don't think they're in must win territory yet or the must sweep territory. I'll take that back. I think it's very, very important that they win the next two series. Mm-hmm. I think right now, if you were to do a bracketology, I'm not sure when D1 Baseball comes out with theirs, but I, my guess is that either the Hokies are on the bubble or they're a three seed and, you know, kind of the lower um, seeds. But I think it's pretty pretty important that they, they win the next two series. You know, they're not in sweep territory, but, you know, you, you take the next two series and, you know, you, you're right back at 500 in conference play. Right now, Virginia Tech would actually be, I forgot about the ACC Baseball Championship. They would be the last team in right now in Durham in late May. They're currently last in the Coastal at 4-8 in conference play. Virginia leads the way at 8-4. Then Miami is tied with them. North Carolina 6-4. Georgia Tech 6-6. Six six. Pitt is 4-6 on the other side. Florida State 3-9 in conference play. Clemson 2-7. So, yeah, it's probably pretty important to get these next two weekends are you going out of durham this weekend no i don't think i am maybe i'll go down for the saturday and sun or sunday game if they end up taking friday or saturday's game maybe i'll end up sticking around for the sunday game well we always talk about on the podcast and on tsl today what do we plug in baseball wise what's coming up on tsl today the next two weeks for tech baseball um basically kind of just recaps obviously you have today's tsl today and if they keep winning hopefully i'm back here next week no midweek game this week correct no midweek game this so at duke liberty georgia tech correct Yes, I think so. Cool. Well, Chris, thank you so much for having on. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's Chris Hirons. I'm Carter Hill. Thanks to Giovanni Heater for producing Behind the Scenes. And thanks to David Cunningham for hopping on in the first segment. It's TSL Today on a Monday from Blacksburg. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.